This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Everybody, how you doing? You know me, Corey Coleman. And usually when I'm popping up during this time of day, that means we have another interview, another great discussion. I'm sure this will be. And today we are going to be speaking to, and I'm very excited about this. Uh, you know, uh, I love animation. I'm really big into animation and have a background in animation. And I always love when animation is being used in new ways and the technology advances. And one of the person who is uh, doing that, along with many other things, is Mr. Now, let me see. I should have asked you this before we started. It's, I, I kept saying Freed. Now, it's not fried or anything, right? RJ Freed? RJ Freed, you got it. RJ. You're not the first to ask the question either. RJ Freed here with us today. RJ is the co-creator of our cartoon president, but also has an extensive background in writing and production, uh, has worked with many big networks such as uh, MTV, uh, CBS, uh, Hulu, uh, NBC. If I missed anything, RJ, you, look, you have a, a, a very long, impressive background. If I missed something, uh, we'll get to it later and didn't mean to do that right now. But uh, thank you for being here today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's go ahead and start out with our cartoon president. Uh, and I'm going to get uh, people familiar with this if they aren't already, which I'm sure a lot of people are. It's a show on Showtime, and mm-hmm. it is a political satire mostly centered on President Trump. A message from the President of the United States. My fellow Americans, during every bad part of the last six months, Mike Pence was president. We're thinking of replacing you on the ticket. Antonio Zavato Jr. would never play in the Midwest. I'm going to be by being the incoherent every man who kills less people. What's this rumor that you're responsible for thousands of deaths? Wow, slow news day. This is entering, uh, our, it's in its third season. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. So this is a, this is a spinoff uh, from a segment that appears on Stephen Colbert. Uh, were you involved with that at the time? No, so this started out as uh, Tim Lukey, who is uh, another one of the co-creators. Um, he, you know, started. He's an animator and uh, was working at uh, Colbert Report and then Late Show. And so he and Matt Lappin, uh, uh, another co-creator and pro- uh, supervising producer, I believe, at the Late Show, uh, were producing these segments. Uh, they were going well. And it was uh, Chris Licht, who's the showrunner at Late Show, came to, to Matt and Tim and said, hey, there could be a whole show here. Uh, let's build out the pitch. And <clears throat> luckily, Showtime bought it for 10 episodes. Um, I was then brought in as, you know, showrunner uh, after, pro- a- after that to just help, you know, 
get it on the air basically uh fill out the world and the creator and the and the, the characters and uh you know just uh and just help help make the show you know it was funny i was, I was looking over at the chat and somebody says i just tuned in and wait a minute I'm an animator on that show. This is crazy. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, I know someone who yeah. uh, who works uh, on on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a guy named Steven. He uh, he has a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, his own podcast called Rubber Onion. But he's he's he showed. Oh me. yes, Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you, a, yeah, great Brooks guy, is amazingly man. Talented. What's that? He's so talented. He's he's amazing. Yeah, he's he was uh, actually helped me out with uh, the program that we're going to talk about in a little bit that you've uh, that you're working mm-hmm. on with that show. Uh, now, so here's the thing, man. When you watch uh, the behind the scenes on this, mm-hmm. it looks like uh, it looks like everyone is having a, a, a great time. I even have a little clip here of you guys starting out one of the one of the table reads for this and everyone's laughing everyone is around there enjoying themselves i would love to accept a sizable contribution from the clinton foundation for my new school you can eat my <laughs> everybody's great right now but mm-hmm. you know this i mean these these are some uh, some wild times right now and yes. very polarizing times and i'm sure you've been asked this before but um Things get heated around there when personal politics come in. You got any Trump supporters who work on the show? Um, oh, man. If they are, they've, they've been very quiet. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think we, you know, certainly from the writing perspective, you know, we try to hire writers who are, I would say, nonpartisan, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, look, like, let's be honest, there's a lot of. There's a lot of uh, lefties, a lot of liberals in, you know, in in comedy. And so I, I, I assume that's probably where, where most people fall. But that said, you know, at least on the writing side, we're trying to find people who are nonpartisan, who can kind of just sniff out hypocrisy, bad logic, bad faith, wherever it occurs. Uh, you know, and if, if you watch the show, obviously, the, the Trump administration uh, and their enablers receive the, the brunt of the jokes. But, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. said, there's plenty of jokes on uh, Joe Biden and and his supporters as well. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny. Like, I, I'll get tweets saying, you know, you're too tough on Joe Biden, you're too soft on him, you're too tough on Trump, you're too soft. <laughs> uh, you, there's kind of... Uh, you know, you, you kind of can't please everyone, and so you do what you what you what you think is 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 funniest and and the most uh, uh, whoever is doing the most damage at that at that time. But uh, yeah, you know, we just we're we're looking for for comedy. We're looking to expose the truth, and and it goes both ways. Yeah, you know, uh, sticking along this political discussion here. Uh, so there are a lot of people today who feel that politics. They gotten so serious that they don't think mm-hmm. that 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 is really fun anymore. You know, uh, yep. t- 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 uh, Trump's tweets, you know, his his actions and, you know, and in his, in his words are not humorous anymore. Uh, and this is, you know, I've noticed this especially with people of color who feel like, yep. you know, this is uh, it's not only not funny, but these are kind of dangerous times for us right now. Uh, yep. Has it become more of a challenge to find the humor in things? Uh has you know when you especially when you come together you know in in the writing room it's like wow uh, today we just don't feel funny this is kind of tragic you ever have those moments yes we do um and and you're totally right it, it is very serious times it's a very uh it's a much more precarious time to make jokes i think than it's that's been as long as i can remember because it's there's some real hurt out there um 
for people. Uh, I remember a few times. I mean, I remember obviously uh, baby caging when baby caging uh, mm-hmm. when that was being reported and watching mm-hmm. you know Rachel Maddow get emotional. That was a day where we said like, let's just go home and process this. It's not. We don't need to be working right now. Um, obviously, George Floyd was was a uh, a huge moment for uh, for everyone, and where we were all trying to kind of reevaluate, uh, you know, just where we were as a society and having this reckoning. And you know, you're right. I mean, it's it's these things aren't funny. Uh, you know, that said, there's always going to be people who are operating around these issues in in some kind of bad faith. And uh, I would hate to live in a world where we didn't feel like we were, uh, should be ridiculing them and giving them a hard mm-hmm. time. Because if you don't, uh, that just enables them to do it more. And if anything, I would say, you know, there's a lot of, you know, if you look on cable news and, and such, there's a lot of people who are doing some really bad things who are still have a voice mm-hmm. and are welcome on these shows. And there is this kind of uh, polite society thing that allows them to continue to doing to do what they're doing. And so, you know, we feel a deep responsibility that we're making the right kind of joke, that it's edgy enough for what's going on, um, that we do have, you know, the right voices in the, the room. Uh, you know, this season we brought in Z-Way. I don't know if you know Z-Way, who's a super talented writer-performer, I uh, brought in her to do a script, which is, I think, 316. So that's going to be on a week from Sunday as her script. Um, we have another writer named Naima Pierce, who's a supervising writer at Tuning Out the News. Uh, another person of color who we brought in. Um, she's going to be doing the 317 episode, so in a couple weeks. And, you know, uh, we we definitely felt, uh, I guess, a sense of social responsibility to make sure we were making the right kind of jokes uh, about things. Yeah, you know, that brings up another question, which somebody actually asked in our chat, and I want to thank them for this, but so is it difficult writing writing for the show right now, considering that, you know, we are having the elections this year, and do you have to have sort of two different scripts for whatever the outcome is going to be? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, but I don't even know. I don't think it's two. <laughs> I think it's about 100 at this point. Uh, yeah, we, you know, the show is, we break stories like three or four months uh, ahead of time Mm. and really focus on characters, you know, things that are not going to change. Uh, you know, Trump is always going to be selfish. Uh, Biden is always going to be, uh, loose lipped. Um, there's certain, certain, you know, and Democrats are always going to be trying to, trying to make sure he's not getting too out in front of the party. Yeah. There's certain things at play that are just going to be true for months and months and, and years to come. Uh, so we start with that. And then as we get closer, we kind of get more and more specific, you know, acts, scenes, jokes. Uh, and then that's where things start to get really, you know, really change a lot. Uh, for example, obviously, we had no idea the president was going to get coronavirus. Uh, we've been having to make a lot of changes. Uh, thank you to whoever the animator is who's listening for, for having, because they bear the brunt of it, having to make these last minute changes and lip sync and whatever it is. We try to make it as easy as, uh, as possible lines off camera or lines at the same timing as, you know, the, the line that's already in there to make sure that there's as little work for them as possible. But the show is constantly changing right up until the, the Friday, you know, the delivery before we deliver on Friday, right before, uh, uh, what airs on Sunday. Yeah, it's a guy named Keith Garces. Does that sound familiar? 
Oh, man. Uh, I wish we were all in the office together. Probably would have been <laughs> a lot more familiar. Cause he's, uh, but now, yeah, we're, we're all, over the, yeah. all over the earth. Yeah, he's really freaking out right now. Like, oh, my God, my world's colliding here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, speaking of uh, the animators and speaking of your process right here, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of impressed because you seem to be on that South Park kind of schedule you know you can get stuff yeah. out very quick what is the yeah. what what is the pr- production schedule like for an episode uh you know to, to get out how long does it take to produce that uh so we start writing i would say 14 weeks out from air and then it's about you know 12 weeks of of uh storyboarding animatic you know animation um and then there's also the topical cold opens which we're doing you know right now um, which we do in three days. So it's it's Tuesday write, Wednesday record, uh, Thursday animate. Uh, so as we speak, I'm awaiting animation for whatever the topical cold open is going to be for Sunday's episode. Uh, finish that Thursday night and put it out into the world on Friday on YouTube. Uh, and then that's the front of the show. So, yeah, I mean, luckily, over the course of three seasons, you learn so much and every single production is, is different, you know, mm-hmm. different depending on what, what is the talent you have on the animation side, the writing side, producers, um, what kind of pace, uh, or, you know, how complicated the animation is, what, what does the news cycle require? Every, every production is different. And I think over the, by, at this point we got it really down to, I would say a machine, you know, and it, it feels like everyone kind of knows what they're doing. We figured a lot out. And so, uh, the nights are not as late as they used to be, but yeah, when we first started out, I mean, there was, it was, uh, I know, I mean, I can just speak for the, from the writing producing side we were, uh, we're probably pulling like one or two all nighters a week, uh, three hours, like a good night's sleep was maybe four hours. Uh, it was, it was pretty tough when we first started out. So is that everybody that's having to pull these all-nighters? I mean, because the animators, I'm sure, but th- does yeah. that include, like, the, the writing staff or voice staff? Uh, you know, try to get people out of there. You know, I, <laughs> I always feel like the more money you get paid, the longer you got to stay. And uh, I don't like being the, you know... Uh, last one or the first one to leave the office that doesn't sit well with my, with me (laughs) ethically. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we try to get people out of there. Obviously animation is extremely intensive, uh, and, uh, you know, you can get burnt out. So, I mean, luckily, like I said, we, we've, we've gotten it down and I feel like, uh, people were now, you know, much better than it used to be. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's made for some, some long nights and every once in a while there'll be a curveball. You know, whatever it is, Kellyanne Conway decides to quit, you know, the, the week yeah. of a show and you got to you got to figure it out. So, um, but yeah, no, luckily it's uh, we, we, I think we've got this thing in a, a machine. I'm sure South Park, when they first started out, it was a much different, longer process than it is now. So does that mean that if the show gets a lot more popular, then you're going to start getting more animators in there to try to ease the I guess the crunch time in the office? Yeah, I mean, it it also is a thing where, like, you know, sometimes more isn't necessarily better. You know, you want animators who are kind of well-trained and can can nail it Mm -hmm. um, the first time and understand the style. Um, The other thing, too, right now is, like, it's just tough to get animators. I mean, I know on, like... Tuning out the news, uh, there's been some some open spots because it's just tough to find them. They're obviously so in demand right now in, in COVID uh, in COVID world. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, 
sometimes the more more hands is not necessarily better can actually slow th- things down so there's only you know there, there's there's always a balance there and and then there's a balance of this is just the obvious thing which is like you know the we, we got a budget and we gotta we mm-hmm. gotta we gotta we're in order to get picked up and keep going we got to stay on budget and so you know that that all dictates how you how you form your team that's funny you know i, I would think that in COVID times with you know this this whole thing of working at home being more popular i thought that mm-hmm. and, be, and also uh, with animation picking up you know they're talking about how pro- doing animation now production for that is is easier than doing live action i thought it'd be easier yeah. to find uh animators out there is it is it is it why is it so hard to find is it just because you just have a, a certain standard of quality and you just, you can't find enough people to reach that uh demand i mean it's just you know uh now it's just the right now not the only game in town but the main game in town and so it's just uh supply and demand i mean it's just hard to find talent out there people are people are are very much uh booked right now um you know and it's also it's it's a weird thing i was actually i I watched the uh, south park special last night and there was clearly like (laughs) some expression of i can't believe we're doing a special during these times and it feels icky and it it does feel icky right now you know it's it's we're very fortunate to be making a living um right now it's really tough time out there uh but uh yeah no it's it's it it is definitely a weird spot to be in i think professionally you know People, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to R.J. Freed. He is the co-creator of our cartoon president, along with many, many, many other credits in his background, uh, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit. You know, uh, sticking with this, uh, this, uh, uh, the topic of production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were talking about how our cartoon president uses a program that is actually available to a lot of people out there, which is a yeah. Adobe character animator. Uh, I know some people who are at home. I know kids, some kids who are, who are playing around with it. But, you know, you guys are using it very well. Uh, if you haven't or if, if you don't know about it, people, it's a, it's a program that's available with the Adobe Creative Suite. It's something that you can get, you know, the same programs uh, that you get with uh, Photoshop or Adobe Animate. And this is a, a program that allows you to, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, RJ, because I haven't really used this that much. I'm, I'm trying. It's a, it's a very complicated program, but uh, it allows you to actually have your char- your animated characters act in real time. It kind of tracks yep. your facial expressions and your body movements. Yep. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, is this, a, is this the same technique that is, that is used with uh, uh, the other program that you do for cbs all access which is uh tuning out the news yeah my understanding is that you know cartoon president is a hybrid you know between after effects and uh character animator which is a truly amazing program and uh, we certainly couldn't do tuning without that program mm-hmm. uh cartoon president it was i think much more much more helpful at the beginning but i mean conceptually it's still still the same idea of it's you know it's puppets uh, that you're manipulating, uh, two-dimensional puppets. And, uh, you know, for tuning out the news, we actually have a animators in, you know, rooms all over the country <laughs> who are actually, while the performers are sitting there performing, who are actually doing the motion capture and they're, and they're manipulating the character to match what they're hearing in their ear, which is a very cool thing. 
uh, and and I I believe we're the only show that's that's doing it. Um, that's a credit to Stephen Brooks and and Tim Lukey and Brian Maffitt, uh, our technical director, who have who have really put together that. Um, that system. Um, Cartoon President has kind of, I think, approached more of a, now that there's so many um, gestures already built out and movements, I would say much more uh, as has leaned more into uh, after effects. Um, but yeah, tuning, it's, it's, it's <laughs> huge. It really changes. It's just amazing how fast you can turn around animation with, with that program. Uh, I don't want to encourage people to figure it out though, because that's going to just they'll be on our uh, breathing on our neck soon. So uh, just yeah, just it's fine. It's too complicated. Don't worry about it, man. Yeah, it's Stephen Brooks. So people, uh, a friend of mine who has kept up with what we do for a while happens to work on this this show that RJ is uh, running, uh, which is our cartoon president. And he he came in and tried to show me uh, this whole system, this whole rigging mm-hmm. system for uh, uh, for a Adobe character animator. That excuse my language. That shit is complicated, man. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I I know the basics just as much as I need to know as a writer, and you know, here's what's possible and here's what's not. But yeah. uh, man, those guys are wizards. I mean, there's also during tuning out the news, we have these interstitials, right? Where it's this like it'll be like live action footage mixed in with animation, yeah. Um, which is really Tim Lukey heads up. And the uh, their team creates characters, rigs them, and has them, you know, pulling off jokes like in the matter of like twelve hours. It's really incredible. I mean, we do those on a daily basis. Um, I don't know how they do it, but they've they've really figured out that program and uh, and have really mastered it. It, it blows my mind. You'll just say like, uh, okay, we need a you know whatever a. <laughs> Whether it is a, a wizard, for example, which we have had, you know, we need a wizard who's going to say this and that, and you know, uh, you make the mock up, and then yeah. uh, by morning, it's uh, they've created it. So uh, it, it is really incredible. They're they're amazing. Well, let me just go in and say, man, my wow, like somebody just ran through your backyard. <laughs> I don't know. If yeah, you, you, I, yeah. No, I, I have children. Oh, so okay. Is, but that's a whole other topic we could talk about is, is children interrupting your uh, work day. No, it didn't interrupt. I just wanted to make sure like <laughs> like, like ninjas weren't sneaking into the room or something right now. Um, you know, I, I am incredibly blown away by what you're pulling off with this. I mean, because I'm trying to figure this out, how you do this, uh, especially with uh, tuning out the news. Uh, mm-hmm. we're tuning out the news. Are you doing some of this? Is there a lot of uh, editing in post, or is this in real time? The reason why I ask is because uh, when I look at this, y'all are bold, man, with these questions. And I and I, I don't know if you're asking this in uh, in in real time. Are you asking this to their you know quote unquote face? But I mean, you're like on some kind of Sasha Baron Cohen level with this. If this is uh, really what's happening. So racked up at least a hundred. Yeah, I mean, dollars in you know, uh, I'll tell you what, it's it's pretty nice to wear the the mask of an animated character. Uh, you know, it's um, we we have an amazing research department. We don't take these interviews uh, lightly, and yeah. um, you know, we we prep and we want to we want to do the news better than the news even, and um, you know, so when you're going into 
you know, an Alan Dershowitz interview or anything like that, uh, you, you do your homework and you prepare. And, uh, you know, that's one thing cable news, I would say, can be deficient on. And I, I've, I've worked in cable news and I know how hard it is to produce, but you don't get as much time to think. And, you know, we feel, you know, as we talked about earlier, there's the issues are much more serious now. And, uh, you know, especially with someone like Joe Arpaio, you, you dig into their past and it's just so, I mean, it's just so, it's incredibly awful. And it's a credit, it's, in, yeah. it's, it's amazing that it took place on American soil. I mean, if it was taking place on foreign soil, we would have been like, well, we got to go in there and fix this. But it's, it's happening right in the, the fourth largest county in our country. And it's, uh, you know, we feel a, a responsibility to, to, to call those people out. And, you know, um, look, and it is nice, you know, South Park gets away with it. And certainly on turning out the news, we get away with, uh, I would say, going much more edgy than than uh, someone with a human face could. Certainly. Yeah. Well, with the, well, you know, I'm going to play this clip here. You speak of the uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. You know, you like I said, I don't know if this is something that you're asking him just bluntly up front. But these are you know, these are some very straightforward and, uh, and like I say, some uh, uh, very bold questions, which I appreciate. Uh, I'm play this clip right here where you. Uh, you're just pretty much calling him a racist and almost, uh, you know, almost accusing him of, of some sort of rape in a way. Settlements and court awards stemming from your unconstitutional handling of Latinos and sex crime victims and harassing those who reported on them, which was paid for with taxpayer dollars. That's a very awkward conversation when you submit those receipts to account. What's even crazier is the people of Maricopa County reelected you five times. When did you discover your love of bigoted sadism was shared by so many people in America's fourth most populous county? Well, dude, we, we, I don't have 50 uh, hours to answer your uh, Mickey Mouse uh, questions that you get from some uh, weekly uh, newspaper. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm assuming by his uh, his response that 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 he actually heard those questions like they are. Oh yeah, no, he he heard the whole thing. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's a certain thing because you know Joe Arpaio doesn't shy away from the camera. Uh, mm -hmm. He knew exactly what he was getting into. He knew it was going to be contentious. Um, and he said, sure. Uh, you know, so that's a, that's a different game, uh, when you're going into someone like that, because it's, you know, you, you don't want to get into, and, and that's kind of why we just like rattled off all these, you know, different things that he had done and just said, like, we know that it's cause you don't want to get into an argument about the specifics of that, because then you're kind of, it's, we have no, we had no interest in litigating, the, the the we know what the story is and, and, mm -hmm. the, and the picture he's painted over his career uh, and what he's done. And so, um, you know, then it became just a thing of like, just how did this happen? Um, who, who enabled you to do this? And uh, how can we embarrass you as much as and humiliate you as much as possible? Um, you know, it, it's it's a weird one. And, and like he's he's a certain thing who does it, you know, doesn't appear to, to show uh, any kind of uh, shame about it, um, but that's that's pretty exceptional. Uh, but I mean, so I mean, I, bet, I guess the same person who can pull off or who can commit all those crimes and still wake up, you know, go to sleep and wake up in the morning is probably the same one who can uh, who's happy to come on a show like ours. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, like you say, he knew exactly what he was getting into. How do you? So when you get somebody on, do, what, do you tell them ahead of time, like, hey, we're just gonna say these words and expect us to do that or do you kind of catch them off guard with that 
Um, you know, that's like 90, 95% of the interviews are just like, you know, we're just playing, you know, it's very Colbert Report-y. We're, we're just playing characters saying stupid things and they're correcting us. You know, I, I don't want to, uh, most of the guests are very, you know, good people who are doing, uh, who, who, who are generally trying to improve, uh, the world, uh, uh you know, um, and so then we, you know, we prep them as, as any guest would for, or they would on Colbert Report, which is, you know, we're coming from a place of ignorance. We're going to say things that are wrong. Uh, and it's your job to, uh, to, you know, uh, to put out good information and, and correct the record whenever possible. Um, you know, uh, and then, but of course, then there's, you know, yeah, there are some people who, I think if you watch the Rick Wilson interview, for example, he was probably caught by surprise. I think maybe he thought that, we would be big fans of the Lincoln project. And, uh, <laughs> as the interview went on, it became clear that we, you know, took issues with a lot of their practices. Uh, you know, that, that's, I would say more the exception though. Uh, you know, you've done so much, man, uh, working with, you know, writing, running shows, uh, being a show running on live action shows, uh, you know, uh, working on talk shows, you've done so many different formats, you know what is what what's the what's the biggest differences or challenges that you see working in all these different formats particularly when you you know you're talking about animation versus uh live action stuff cuz you just talked yeah. about how you know you have to pull all nighters for animation you know you had you working in a very yeah. timely manner but like i said you've worked in uh you worked in so many different written formats talk show formats animation what's the biggest differences that you see um animation is much more uh, much more production intensive. I mean, I just gave notes this morning and it was like, hey, let's lose this blink here. Uh, let's have this character not move while this character is talking. Um, you, the, the amount of specificity is very, very high because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, animators are trying to recreate, you know, uh, real life movements. And so uh, that's not easy to, uh, to take a, you know, ruler and, and uh, to how people move and interact yeah. and recreate it. Um, so it's very intensive and also you're, you know, trying to prioritize the joke and make sure it lands. Uh, it, it's just, you got to have a really sharp, intense eye. Mike Leach, who is, uh, my number two on cartoon president is just, has been fantastic at, you know, really making sure everything is, is, uh, you know, quality controlled and all that. Um, you know, those are all things that like someone like, Obviously, like David Letterman knows when to blink and and how to gesture and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so you don't have to worry about that. That said, you know, it's also um, there's something creatively very fun about having that much control over over the comedy when it comes to uh, a live action or late night show. Um, there's much more level of, of unpredictability that goes yeah. with that stage and with that audience and how things are going to go over. Um, obviously, like. It's really tough to tell a joke in front of a live audience that's just for you or something. You know what I mean? You you, you kind of can't, uh, especially if you're a, a late night host, like you just want that laugh. Uh, and if you don't get it, it's very awkward. And so, uh, you know, animation allows you to go so much further and you can really kind of push the envelope and not worry about necessarily if yeah. it's going to actually lead to a laugh out loud moment uh, in a stage setting. So um, and animation allows you, obviously you get to do like, 
you know, we get to do cool things in terms of uh, just adding imagery. You know, we, we did a bit with like Paul Krugman is going to talk about the economy. And it's going to be boring. So we're going to add a gingerbread man dancing on your shoulder to entertain people while you're <laughs> talking about it. You know, there's that that's really cool and, and fun creatively. Yeah. You know, uh, so we've talked extensively about, you know, the animated shows you do, the animated process or the animation process. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about your writing background a little bit. You know, you we were talking about this, and we'll uh, talk about this later too. You know, you've written for so many different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, right here, we see you with David Letterman. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But you've also written for uh, John Stewart, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, as we just mentioned, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Bill Murray. Uh, you've written for. You know, how do you adapt to so many different? personalities and so many different styles i uh, thank you for for saying that i mean i think uh um you know another day like writing is is a job and it's and it's uh i think there's certainly a maybe a, a, a misperception that it's this like <laughs> comedy writing is this glorious thing like another day it's a job and you're trying to like you're trying to, you know, write jokes for people. And yeah. so you, you, you sit down and I think, you know, certainly a muscle that definitely helps. And it, it was very key at Letterman because you're writing these top 10 lists every day. Um, I wrote or contributed to this uh, Onion Sports Dome show where you had to bang out so many ideas. Uh, definitely like volume just helps like learning to like just really have that muscle to bang out a lot of jokes uh, really quickly, I think is, is really key uh, mm-hmm. because uh, you know, and also, yeah, you're giving your, whatever your host or whoever it is, a lot of different options um, is always important. I mean, honestly for every, like, you know, probably like 97% of what gets written is thrown out. So being able to like churn out a lot and get past your bad jokes to the really good stuff is, is always important. Um, and also like, I think just being aware of like, of production and limitations, you know, like, okay, to produce this bit will be very expensive. The host is going to look at it or the producer is going to look at it and be like, Oh, that just sounds like a huge headache for what the payoff is. And so, Having an understanding, I t- tell a lot of new writers, like, have an understanding of, like, this is expensive or there's no way, you know, this this bit relies on getting Tom Cruise by 5 p.m., you know. Uh, that's not going to happen. And, and, you know, anything, having an under, uh, understanding of, like, wait, how exactly is this going to work? Uh, what is the timing? What is the blocking? Is the host going to feel awkward? Uh, is the host going to feel like they're acting too much? I mean, the more you're aware of just, you know, how things are going to actually play out, I, I think the more effective writer you can, you, you can be. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's interesting because, uh, you talk about how, has that ever happened? Like, you know, you, we look at celebrities mm-hmm. and everybody's thinking of the, you know, if I see a celebrity, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to ask for an autograph. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to lose my mind. And you're like, and you're in a business where it's like, okay, you know, we might have to line these guys up at this time. We got to get this person here. I got to write a joke for this person right here. You know, you have a very matter of fact uh, way of approaching this. Is that, is that, is that how it is, man? Uh, when, when you're working with uh, talk shows and whatnot, you know, you're just working so quick that you can't even look at the, the celebrity behind the celebrity. Uh, well, it's a couple of things. One is the writers are usually like late night shows. The writers don't have many interactions with the host. Like yeah. I've, I've worked with like, you know, people who are in front of the camera a lot. And 
I understand why you kind of just want some privacy, you know, in your, your personal life. It's like, it's very exhausting to go out there every night and just be on for that long and expose yourself, uh, for that long to the whole world. It's a very exhausting thing. And I totally understand why hosts kind of just want to like close the door and stare at the ceiling, uh, you know, when they're not on that stage. Um, and, um, you know, you kind of have to respect that. I mean, the other thing too is, um, you know, there's, there's, yeah, I, I think with these people, you know, with, with certain hosts, it's important to, uh, uh, like I, I've been on the other side of the ledger where it's like, you know, you're sure running a show, you, you just want good material. You want a lot of it, you know? And so, and also it's, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's a job. I just, I, I, I have, you know, for turning out the news, it's like, I, we got to fill seven minutes tonight and I just, just need as much good material as I can. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, and, and because the day is moving so fast, there's not a lot of time to screw around. And so I think just being, you know, professional, um, and not being, you know, and understand that the host has so many demands on their time, uh, is, is very important. And also it's like, you know, they don't, they don't want to, you know, the neediness is not good. It's, it's, here's, here's what I can do to help you and make your life easy. Cause that is a very hard job. Um, yeah. whatever it is, hosting a show or show running a show or whatever, it's, it's extremely demanding. I mean, one thing I learned very early on in cartoon president is you could work 24 seven. Like there's just so much stuff to do. And it's not a matter of, do I have something to do? It's like, what is the most important use of my time, you know, right now? And, um, so, you know, I think understanding that the person you're pitching to, here's the material here's, you know, here it is. And here it is quickly. And then I'm going to leave the room is, <laughs> is very important to know and just understand the realities of, of production and, fun- and functioning in, in that fast paced environment. I'm going to tell the people right now, uh, RJ being very modest, uh, you don't know how talented this guy is. <laughs> Multi-talented <laughs> this man is right here. Uh, you know, he's talking about how I do stuff behind the scenes, but you also do voices for uh, our cartoon president. Uh, you know, I don't have any of the people here, but I uh, believe you do the voices of uh, Put- of, of Putin, and you also do uh, Chris Cuomo uh, on, yeah. the, on the show. Uh, you know, and also you... Uh, You've done some performing in front of the camera, as we just saw here on David Letterman. I'm actually going to play a little clip of uh, of you here on David Letterman. I uh, believe you played like one of the guys upstairs, one of the boys upstairs <laughs> behind the scenes. Look, it's uh, RJ and his friend uh, Joe. They both uh, work upstairs. Hi, guys. Hi, I'm RJ. I work upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Joe. I work upstairs with RJ. Right. I think I... <laughs> said that. Well, what brings you guys out here tonight? Nice to see you. How's everything going? Good? You look great. What's going on? Uh, I saw the Paul Schaefer highlight reel on Friday's show. Oh, yeah. We ran a little uh, reel of his highlights of being on the show. It was great. It's good fun. Yeah, and I I put together one of me and Joe. Oh. (laughs) You and Joe on a highlight reel? Ah. We worked on it all weekend. And is it ready to go now? Okay. Let's take it away. It's the highlight reel. Roll it. <laughs> and from there it's just you guys just walking out on stage in slow motion <laughs> yeah really really exciting stuff <laughs> you know uh with you doing voice work and you doing some stuff in front of the camera right there 
Uh, would you like to do more performing, you know, voice work or, or acting? Uh, acting is fun. It's really, you know, it, it's just, it's fun. I, I, I like funny things and I like doing funny things. And so <laughs> I'm happy to do it. But, uh, you know, like sometimes it's just like, actually, this, the stuff with Letterman, I should mention, like I didn't, it wasn't like I pitched that or something. That was a, some other writers, Lee Ellenberg uh, and Jeremy Weiner, who, who had pitched that to the head writer without me knowing, uh, literally came to work one day and they said, oh, uh, you're going to be doing this this uh bit in rehearsal later and you know we'll see if it gets in the show um so that was not volunteered uh that said it was like so much fun i mean to be on the stage with david letterman i'll never forget uh, (laughs) it was very out-of-body experience um you know with voiceover especially on i actually almost died in this scene right here if you watch that that so this is a a funny story so um (laughs) i was gonna be so in rehearsal, the joke was that I think um, so Joe Grossman had come out and he was supposed to bring, uh, I think, Jeb Bush jokes. But he told his jokes and it was very clear they were just repurposed George W. Bush jokes. And Dave said, do you have any actual Jeb Bush jokes? He said, oh, let me ask my friend RJ. And I came down on stage and in rehearsal, they had this idea that I would come out with, you know, eating an apple. Like I took my sweet time to get down there. <laughs> and so... I come out there and I take a bite in the apple and it's not a very big bite. And I really regretted it because it just wasn't as funny. And so when it came to the act, it got in the show, it comes to the actual show. I walk out there with the apple and I take this like huge bite and I can't swallow it. And <laughs> I was like, there was this moment where it's like, Oh my God, I'm going to die right here on stage. It's like stuck in my throat. And, um, right after that, I like had it like, jerk my head back you can see it in the full cut and like finally got it down right as i was supposed to deliver my line but oh my god i thought like especially with 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 letterman it's like you never want to screw up you know <laughs> if you screw up who knows when the next time you'll be allowed on stage uh so it's pretty like high pressure and uh yeah that's the moment that would have been the the very last shot of me memorial. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so luckily i got it down anyways uh you know with with cartoon president turning out the news it's 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 so fast-paced um that it's really nice to have voices in the building um a lot of the writers play characters on the show uh i assume it's part of the reason trey and matt you know play a lot of characters on their show Mm -hmm. when you have to bang out something on a daily basis to be able to like hey pop in the booth i mean or now it's like now we have audio equipment with all our different performers uh to be able to bang out lines is 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 nice that said there's like some wildly talented people involved in both shows uh, James Adomian and Emily Lynn, uh, William Sadler, Jeff Bergman. Uh, these are some really cool performers that we're, we're really pumped to work with. You know what? I just have to say that is why you probably should be an actor. The level of dedication that you have, you know, almost dying on stage and just going with it. For my art. <laughs> yeah, dying for, ready to die for your art, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, too, you are... You are a tall-ass person, man. I, you know... Thank you. Thank you. It's about time someone pointed out. I've been working so hard on it. (laughs) (laughs) You have achieved, man. You are, you know, you're tall. And uh, I I don't know how many people know this because I I see people bringing this up with you whenever they do talk about you. But you have an athletic background. You were part of the the, uh, National Hockey League draft pick in 2000, right? Yeah. For the Florida Panthers. uh, yeah, I was a, a hockey player before I went into uh, went into comedy writing, and uh, 
And uh, yeah, in 2000, after high school, was was drafted by the Florida Panthers in the third round. So how do you make that transition from athletics to to entertainment, man? It's not easy. You gotta you gotta get the muscle off right away. Uh, I remember like when I moved out to Hollywood, I was still like two twenty and five percent body fat and uh, just looked uh, <laughs> insane and uh, not the kind of like writer you expect to walk in the room. And so I had to get that off real quick. Uh, I think I lost about like 40 pounds of muscle in the first year after I quit. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, I was writing in college and uh, on the side and just always really uh, loved it. Um, when I graduated, it was the year of the NHL lockout and, you know, there was no NHL and everyone was getting bumped down, uh, a level. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of, I, I've been playing hockey since I was five years old and was just kind of ready to, to do something new and was really falling in love with comedy and, and ready to get going. And, you know, I, I, I quit and moved out to LA two weeks later. Um, yeah. So a lot of people, man, you know, they go to LA and it, they're, they're, they're struggling for years to to, oh, yeah. to, to to get, I mean, to just, I mean, not even for acting, just to get a, you know, just anything, anything. You know, mm-hmm. even sometimes just get like some paid extra work. So how yeah. do you go to L.A. And, and you get right into writing? Man, maybe it took a while. I mean, what was the process? Uh, yeah, don't kid yourself. It was it was a long, tough process. I mean, I got, um, you know, the first way I made money was, uh, yeah, I was a front desk at a gym. I, I tutored. Uh, in, in Koreatown. And um, I also was an assistant to a, to a Broadway writer um, for a stint, uh, mm. you know, barely making rent. Uh, at some point, I got hired by Dave Thomas from SCTV. That was a couple years in. Uh, he was actually running an animation studio. We got pretty lucky. and We got a couple of shows um, picked up, the Bob and Doug show, um, and then uh, Popzilla at MTV. Uh, but then I moved to New York, and it was just I mean, I don't know, it's something, it was really dry in New York. There was only like five shows. And I, you know, there was a long time, it was probably 10 years, I would say, I submitted to so many shows. I really have to dig up and like find out how many submissions I did. But it was like every show multiple times. I mean, even Letterman, I submitted four times before I finally, the fifth time I was when I got actually an interview. Um, so, you know, but every time you, you get hungrier and hungrier, you want to get a better and better joke, but like, it really was 10 years of, of really tough struggle and, you know, Hey, is this going to happen? Um, but I am very thankful for it. It, it does make you, it was really tough though. I mean, I think when my wife met, my wife and I met in LA, uh, she talks about my only, uh, credit card was to a gas station or my only currency <laughs> was to a gas station. And so I was going to eat like breakfast at Exxon was how I was getting breakfast. And I'd go to soup plantation because you could get the, all you can eat meals there. Uh, uh RIP soup plantation, but, uh, it was a struggle and I, I, I never forget it. And I'm very thankful for, uh, every working moment I have. And I feel like that's, you know, what keeps you staying up late and all that is, is having gone through that, never wanting to go back. Um, yeah, it was, it was tough for sure. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, I guess they don't notice that struggle, man, is always the case. You know, everybody has a story. Uh, you know, this is my last thing right here, but speaking of, uh, ups and downs, so mm-hmm. in SCTV now a lot of we have a very young audience. A lot of people might not they might not remember SCTV. I grew up with SCTV and uh, mm-hmm. grew up with the characters uh, 
the with the McKenzie brothers, you know, do, 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 you know, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, you did uh Bob and Doug McKenzie, uh, were two Canadian characters uh, who had a this thing called a cable access show, and they got so popular from that uh, their their segment on uh, SCTV that they. They had a movie, movie called Strange Brew, and uh, and then I guess you worked on an animated uh, show for them. I'm gonna show people a little bit of this show right here. It's called Bob and Doug. Oh I believe it's on M- MTV, right? That Bob and Doug was uh, global TV. Global uh, TV. It was it was picked up as a Fox, uh, a pilot for Fox as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I got hooked up with. Uh, I literally applied off of. There was like a improv olympic newsletter and one of the animation studios was looking for writers and my cousin who i was writing with at the time jared miller um we just sent in some material that we you know just some like short jokes and comics and all this different stuff and lo and behold it was dave thomas who was running the animation studio uh who yeah for those who don't know um dave thomas was one of the stars of not the wendy's guy he was one of the stars of sctv with rick Mm. moranis and john candy (laughs) and eugene levy uh, Martin Short, uh, so many people who are kind of like the early SNL days, um, people and, uh, it was him. And, and so Jared and I, you know, uh, worked with him for a couple of years. We did the Bob and Doug cartoon and kind of, I learned the basics of, you know, animation there and kind of the limitations and what you could and couldn't do writing wise. But every show I think I did, I learned just some new thing about like, you know, here's the kind of design you're going to need to make the show you want to make. I mean, I think a big, certainly a big pitfall is like designing an animated show too complicated for what your budget and, and yeah. time is, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's where I learned my first animation lessons and, and Dave's a wonderful guy and was uh, such a great mentor. Uh, and yeah, we, uh, you know, we still connect every once in a while. Yeah. Here's a little snippet of that show and again some oh people, my god where'd you find this i the internet man is out there you know it, <laughs> it exists you sometimes you got to scrub but you'll find it if you look hard enough Doug, how's it going eh welcome to the trailer for our cartoon show eh yeah we're animated characters now check it out we only got three fingers oh and a thumb they gave you a thumb i guess you're opening the beers eh <laughs> hey here's something only animated characters can do eh didn't hurt and look no blood eh <laughs> you know i i really liked those characters man and uh, it looks like the writing on there was pretty good I, but it lasted one season so what happened was it straight up canceled um man i think yeah it was it was a global tv was it's it's basically like you know one of the major networks up in canada um and if i remember correctly it went about 22 episodes and yeah, at that point, Popzilla started to creep up and mm. uh, it wasn't renewed. It was one of these kind of, um, you know, Canada, well, they have for to have your, you know, your equivalent of your FCC license there. You have to have a certain amount of programming that's based out of Canada. Um, so that was completely produced in Toronto. Um, we had uh, a few writers who were who were Canadian. Uh, we'd get a tax credit from, uh, and mm. so it was kind of part of global TV's mandate to make, you know, uh, uh, programming from there. Um, but yeah, I think it was just, uh, yeah, I think it was just canceled. 
Yeah. So, I mean, did you get a notice that it was canceled? Have you ever done anything where they just told you, since you've done a lot, where they just, you know, they, they just come in and said, hey, you know what? Hey, this is, uh, this is your last season, your last show. That's it. Yeah, yeah. They, they sent someone down in a suit to flip the table. Just get <laughs> uh, man, getting canceled. Uh, you know what? Like, you, uh, I've definitely heard the advice. Like, if you're on a show that's working, like, hold on for dear life and never leave because so much mm. gets canceled. Uh, yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I had a friend who was on, uh, you know, um, two broke girls and, and that was the advice he got, which was like, uh, you know, Hey, this is, uh, we're on a rocket here. Just stick with it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just because, you know, whatever it's like, I mean, high, what is it? it this, the stats are like unreal. It's like if a hundred pilots get picked up, like, 10 or, or sorry scripts get picked up like 10 or 15 actually get produced and like you know six or seven will go to air and then only like one or two will make it past a few seasons there's really really bad odds out there so you kind of constantly have to have irons in the fire i mean you just never know when something's going to percolate when something's going to pop i mean you just uh you have to like that's why, like, I definitely advise writers that you can't be like, this is the, this is my show. This is it. This is going to, you know, be the one, like you really have to have like five things in the hopper that you're constantly improving and you'll never know when it's going to pop up. The right person will take interest or it's just the right time for that show. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's why I don't get too down with like, or worry too much about cancellations or anything. It's just part of the business. It's, it's, you know, you just have to keep working at being good and not think that like every up and down is life or death because it's, it really is like you're building a career long term. And so, um, you know, you, you make the best stuff you can and hope for the best, but there's so many things out of your control, um, you know, that, uh, you, you just can't worry about and you just, uh, but I definitely encourage people like, don't get too, uh, emotionally invested in any one project for sure. Uh, it's a, it can be a pretty transient lifestyle. Well, that's great advice, man. Great advice to end on right there, too. Uh, I really do appreciate the time, man. It's, uh, of course. You know, no, it's super fun. You know, a lot of that's one of the great things about talking to people like you is that uh, there's, 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 there's so much that people learn from, uh, from you know, someone in your position, you know, someone who's a producer, showrunner, writer, um, getting all the, you know, all the time from people like how educational these things are. And that was certainly the case here, man. So, people, this has been R.J. Freed, uh, co-creator of our cartoon president, along with many other things, uh, tuning out the news on CBS uh, All Access and uh, voice actor, too. Uh, you can hear him playing Putin and uh, Chris Cuomo on our cartoon president. So thank you so much again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Corey. And good luck with everything. Congratulations on everything. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. See ya. And folks, there you go. Another one wrapped up right there. Hope you enjoyed that. I certainly do always enjoy talking to these folks. And, well, we got to go now because I have another show to prep for later on today. We will see you then. But thank you for joining us today. Uh, again, I wish I could have got some of the questions in. But fortunately, we've been able to get people who just love to talk. Once you get them going, uh, they just kind of take over. And that's what it's all about. So one of these days, you know, we'll get you guys to come in and ask questions if there's ever any time. But uh, thank you for being here. And we will see you later. Let me go ahead and pull up my bumper over here so I can give you a proper goodbye. And we got more interviews coming up. 
I know we got one coming up uh, very soon, next week. So stay tuned for that. I believe we have Patrick Warburton coming up on Monday. And looking forward to talking to him. I actually talked to him a while back. I don't even know if he remembers me, but should be, nevertheless, a very enjoyable interview, as they all have been. All right, folks. As I said, you know, we're always around. I'm always getting ready for shows. But even if I'm not on a show, you can always reach me by emailing me at kcoolmans at gmail.com. That's K-C-O-O-L-M-A-N-Z at gmail.com. You email us with any kind of questions, comments, compliments, insults, input, and our advice. Hit us up on the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You got all that information right there. Copy it down. Memorize it. Love it. Use it. And I will await your emails and get back to you either personally or on a show. Also, folks, you know how it is rough out there pandemic is happening so please stay safe stay where you are but if you have to venture out be careful and if you find yourself in austin texas well i don't know how much we can do with you right now but i'm sure that once everything is good out there we can hang out once again so email us those plans for austin kcoolmans at gmail.com let us know if you're moving here or just simply passing through going to do our best once again to safely hang out with you all right everybody that is it thank you so much once again for being here and we'll see you on the next one which will be very soon i'm sure good night good morning good afternoon good evening whenever you are listening to or watching this goodbye and stay toasty